Good morning, my name is Janice, and yes, we are um, doing some standalone sermons, so that's uh, fun and exciting, as well as we prep for the summer series that I know you all enjoy when we get rolling into that. All right, for those of you who like to follow along in your Bibles or your devices, ahead to Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be working out of Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. I keep hearing from people, uh, more than one person in the last week or two, that they're feeling kind of, you know, just bored isn't the right word, feeling kind of dull, you know, just kind of like it's something, you know, some, I just don't feel as enthused about various things and, you know, we're, we're just in this weird doldrum and, and I don't know why, I don't know what we want to blame that on. I'm just saying that there are people who are feeling a little bit of sluggishness or drudgery right now and, um, and it may have to do with your job. Maybe you're just, you know, you got a job, you're glad to have it, but you wish you liked it better. You know, um, and maybe you feel the same way about your children. You know, you're glad you have them. You wish you liked them better. I don't know. Um, or maybe your creativity is, is on a slump if you're a creative person. Um, even your recreation. People are going, you know, I don't know. I can't even get into the books I used to read anymore. Or anybody got a Netflix series? You know, I don't know. I'm just bored with whatever I've seen. Maybe your marriage has hit a bit of a slump and you're feeling kind of, uh, you know, stuck in, in various areas. Or maybe the church. You wish you felt more enthused about being involved in church. Or to get right down to it, maybe your faith. Maybe your faith feels like it's at a dry spot. You haven't given up on Jesus. You're not cashing him in. But, you know, you just wish you, you felt some fire in that place where you used to feel. What does it take for us to feel enthused about stuff? What does it take? What, where in your life do you feel a need for some fresh excitement in order to stay engaged. Just to, to introduce this topic a little bit, you've heard you know, the pastor refer to it the other day. So for, to celebrate his birthday six months early, we got tickets to, because sometimes that happens, sometimes that happens. Um, we got, I was actually trying to get tickets for the month of his birthday and I managed to snag last minute front row seats right, to this concert. Now, we're not big concert goers, so I don't know much about anything. I really don't know anything about the front row, except that I felt pretty good about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the front row. Nothing's going to obstruct our view. So I was expecting chairs. We're going to be there. No, folks, there is front row, and then there is, you know, on stage. I mean, I mean, they had seats, but then to accommodate the special rows that they were selling, they had put rows of chairs up against in like the mosh pit area, you know what I'm saying? So we paid extra to sit in folding chairs. Up, We were so close we could have tied those people's shoes. And it was so close they told us many times, do not set anything, your phone, your drink, on the stage because it was tempting. You know what I mean? It was like your counter. I mean, I could have opened up an office space there. It was ridiculous, all right? So there's being close and then there's like... Maybe there's too close. Well, you know, I can't get around people watching when I'm in an event like this. And so on the one side of us was this couple who was all about it and they chatted with us a lot and they were excited and jumped and stood the whole time and all that. On the other side of Joe was this character and his wife and it was so obvious. You know, you can tell when the guy sprang for the front row seats for her but he did not want to be there. 
Do you know what I mean? He was the picture of disinterested. Do you know what I mean? He was like, I am, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not standing when everybody stands. I'm not clapping. I'm just kind of sitting here. He wasn't grumping, but you know, he just, he just wasn't all about it. But when you're sitting that close, can I tell you that it's really hard to not be engaged? Do you know what I mean? When everyone around you is in the moment, I mean, it wasn't like he could sit there and do his taxes. Um, you know what I mean? You're in it because it was an immersive experience to be in that setting. And every now and then I looked over there and he's tapping his foot a little bit. You know, you know what I mean? He wasn't going to stand up and act involved, but he was clearly, you know, kind of engaged in what's going on. And I'm like, you know, I, I just began to think in that moment, we as humans are built to be enthused about things. We are created to be passionate about the things that, that interest us. Maybe it doesn't need to be a concert or whatever, but who cares if it is? You're, there are things in our lives that are so immersive. You, can, you know, if, if whatever the experience is that is interesting to you, if you can't multitask it, that's pretty great. Right? If there's no space in your brain to do math while you're enjoying or, or going through whatever this experience is, that's a, you know, there's an immersive experience about that. That's the kind of experience I want to have when I'm with God. Now, I'm just throwing this out extra. I get it. It's all great to throw God in your, your earbuds and whatever while you're mowing and, and planting flowers and driving and commuting and all that. But there's also something about being in an immersive experience with God where nothing else, you can't even accomplish anything else. You aren't even tempted to do anything else because you are in the middle of it. Listen to what Hebrews says. I like to think of Hebrews, if you haven't read this book before, I recommend it. It's, I would call it your hang in there book. Right? Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, um, uh, most scholars believe it is, is Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews. If you need a boost, if you need encouragement not to drift away or to get stale in life, read Hebrews. Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 10. New Living Translation, not the one I usually use, but listen to these words, even if they don't match what you're looking at. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him, I love that, and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order that you might make certain what you hope for, will, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become, ready, spiritually dull or indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. The NIV translates chapter, or verse 12 this way. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, the Greek word here that's been translated indifferent, sluggish, uh, I mean indifferent or dull or lazy actually means sluggish. Sometimes it can mean slothful, but it, it could just mean, you know, you're just sluggish. You just don't have the fire that you want or you need in your life. And I, and I just got to thinking, what are the things that cause that? What is it that causes these times in our lives? And so this morning, I'm going to do a couple things. I want to list a few of the ways that we get into this place, and then I want to finish with a few truths that I think will help us maybe dig out, okay? So that's where we're going this morning. So I've got a short list here. It's not exhaustive, and it certainly may not be 
the exact thing that got you where you are, if, if this is describing you. But, but listen to a couple of these things and check off any if they apply to you. And they may seem odd to you. I think one of the first things that can make us feel sluggish is meeting your goals. As a matter of fact, every one of these lists, every one of the things I'm about to miss, list are things that are usually goals for us, are aims for us. They're good things. We're like, yes, I have achievements I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate with such and such a degree. I'm going to get a certain job. I'm going to get a spouse. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to do all this. When you actually meet your goals, whatever those are, there's nothing like reaching achievements, graduating, getting the job peaking too soon, right, that will create a place where you lack the challenge. If you don't keep more challenges in front of yourself, have you, I mean, look at, look at celebrities who peak too early. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, where you got to go, man? You know what I mean? You've made all your money by the time you're 22 and or all the money you'll ever need. And now, you know, your life just spirals into a tornado after that because I just like, you peak too soon. Give them some time to get where they're going, right? And things just happen. So meeting your goals can put you in a slump. Sometimes becoming financially secure can put you in a slump. It can put you in a slump. We can get lazy and lackadaisical when we have everything that we need. Because here's the problem, we start taking credit for that stuff. Remember when you lived on the edge? Remember when you didn't know how you were, you know, maybe some of you are right there right now, but for some of us when you were younger, when you were just getting off the ground and you're like, man, I hope there's enough money to meet the end of the month or whatever. And, and you know, hopefully as you get older in life, you, you establish that and to some degree and you can reach that. But man, living on the edge does something, you pray a lot. You know, you pray a lot when you're not financially secure. So if you were gifted a ton of money from family and you just inherited stuff, you ever notice that some of those people struggle with motivate, not everybody, but some people struggle with motivation and whatever because they didn't have to even go there. This is true and God knows it's true because he talks about it. He tells Moses these things and he wrote them down in Deuteronomy. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 14. And he's talking to the children of Israel who are still in the desert. They're just about to reach the promised land. And this is what he says. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, right? The things that everybody is striving for, multiplication of your resources, of your family, of, of your life, right? right? Even your years. When all those things have multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery. It's a danger. It's a temptation that when everything happens, you not only take care of it, you get distracted by all the stuff that you have accumulated around you, and it's a concern and can put you in a slump. A third thing, solid relationships. We all want solid relationships. I hope that we all get solid relationships. That's great, but sometimes a great relationship can become complacent. You begin to take each other for granted. 
and you don't put the effort in that you used to. I caught the one I want. Now I forget to, to feel appreciative. I forget to make them feel significant, right? You can get in a slump in that way. Here's a weird one. Sometimes multiple opportunities can put you in a slump. If you have a highly sought after skill set, I talked to somebody recently and I said, are you looking for a job? And they said, I can find a job anywhere which is kind of true right now if you're willing to flip burgers, right? I mean, you can find a job anywhere if you're willing to just, you know, help out at McDonald's. Seriously, they need some help this morning, apparently. So there are, th there are places, you have multiple places. When you have so many opportunities in front of you and you can call the shots, sometimes you lose appreciation for where you are. You're like, this job's the pits. I can work somewhere else, right? If, it's if jobs are hard to come by, you better hang on to what you got. You better find a way to love it. You better find a way to make it more enjoyable, to appreciate going there. But the idea that I can leave this anytime. Folks, we leave everything these days for things that look better. We leave spouses, we leave jobs, we leave gyms, we leave churches. We leave lots of things for something that appears to have a greener yard on the other side of the fence. And, and then this is the last one. Sometimes our health can make us complacent and feel in a slump. We want good health. We all want to be solid until the day we die, right? But when we have good health, when we're as fit as we're ever going to be, man, we can just conquer the world. But you know what? I'm just going to wake you up to this. Aging is going to catch every one of those gym rats. Every one of them. Aging is going to catch up with us because you know what? Our bodies wear out. Keep it together. Do everything you need to do to do whatever. But folks, Aging is going to catch every one of us unless death beats to it, right? Death will beat aging to a few of us. But here's the problem. Poor health equals dependence on other people. Aging will equal dependence on other people. And none of us want to be dependent on anybody else. We want enough money to keep everybody else at bay and do what we want until we're grumpy and end up in the grave. And I still say the best thing about aging is behave yourself and be nice because people are going to need to take care of you. And you need to be a nice person to take care of in your old age, all right? So here's the deal. Because when we think we have, we can pay for all of that, regardless of relationship, we get in trouble. So this is great to feel successful in life, but sometimes it makes us feel sufficient and we don't really need anything else in the world. We got life by the tail. So we might pray that God would help us reach all of these goals and we might use God to get to the promised land. But when we get to the promised land, then what? And how do we fight complacency and the need for fire in our lives? Number one, God designed us for tasks. God designed us for tasks. Genesis 2, 8 and verse 15. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to cultivate it and to tend it and to tend it. The, one of the very first things God did was create man and then give him a job to do. I used to think that farming was the curse, right? It was like, even though some people love to farm, I'm like, you know, that must be the curse. Maybe the idea of things growing was, you know, Adam walking around going, ooh, and things just grew. I, you know, I don't know. Or, or maybe that having babies was the curse because that's all part of the, the you know, the fall and, and the consequences of the fall. As, you know, and if the original plan was to deliver babies by stork, you know, maybe having babies is the curse. I don't really know, okay? Uh, or FedEx. I don't know how you would have gotten them there, right? 
But I was, but I was reading the creation narrative recently and it occurred to me that, that the tasks we were given were not the curse. The curse that Adam and Eve re received after they ate from the wrong tree and God came in and, and dished out some consequences, it made their task more difficult. Yeah, you're supposed to tend the garden, now it's going to make you sweat. Now you'll work for it. Now you're going to, now you're going to need, you know, you're going to need something roundup for them weeds. You know, you're going to need, and, and we've been, ever since the fall, we have been working to find chemical ways to eliminate the curse. Am I right? Finding ways to create things that eliminate the weeds. Ladies, you're still having babies, but now it's going to hurt. Now there's going to be pain involved in this whole process. Um, even the, the idea of men and women were always designed to work together, but now there's probably going to be a little competitive edge to this thing, right? You're still going to work together, but now you're going to have to probably work through conflict. Now you're going to have to learn um, that the, the, potential, the potential for oppression, the potential for competition is now on the table, and it will make our relationships a little harder. We're going to have to strive through that a little bit. But listen, we were not designed to be lazy. We were not designed to sit around and, and just on a, a couch potato situation and to not be motivated to do anything. And if, and if this it still strikes you odd, do you remember 2020? Do you remember when they said, what's the matter with you people? Can't you just sit in your houses for two weeks and watch Netflix? And the whole world said, no, we need something to do. We got to go someplace. We got to do something, right? And we all bought out the lumber at Lowe's. Remember that? And we bought out all the flour and the yeast. I actually shared yeast with other people because they couldn't get a hold of it because we baked all the things. I mean, and some of us found the Facebook Live button and we just started creating all kinds of nonsense that we called podcasts and stuff. You know what I'm saying? We, we're designed to create things. Nobody wants to be lazy and do all of that thing. So here's the question. What is the garden God has given you to tend? What is that task that he has given you? We all have stuff to do, but are we doing what he has assigned us to do? And, and, and what is that? Has God changed your assignment recently and you're still not sure about it? You're still grieving because you're not done with the last assignment and you're not really ready to move on. Are you resisting the change that God is bringing to your life because he is giving you different things to do in, in your life? Number two, God designed us for tasks. God designed us for creativity. God designed us for creativity. We were created in God's image. And the very first thing we learn about God is his creative ability. That's the whole first chapter. Is God designing one thing after another. And he didn't design four brown things. He designed things with color, with different textures, with different everything that is beyond our comprehension. Our God is a creative God, and if we are designed in his image, it is no surprise that we are creative people. And I'm not just talking about the small group of people who are creative musically. Sometimes we consider ourselves creative or non-creative and we put a different camp, but I would suggest that all of us have a desire for creativity, even if you don't feel terribly musical or artistic or whatever, there's, there's something about us that's there. Listen to this, in Exodus 31, one through six, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen, this is, this is when they're in the uh, context, they're in the wilderness and God is designing the tabernacle and he's telling Moses how to set this up. 
And he says, or the tent of, of meeting, and he says, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This comes from the Spirit of God. With wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work with wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. This, these were the Hobby Lobby guys, right? These are the guys who needed all of that stuff. Well, maybe not everything, but you know what I'm saying? They needed supplies in order to do all of these things. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahizamask, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given him a given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. Don't ever be ashamed of your need to make stuff. Don't ever be ashamed of the creative bent that you might have, as simple as it might be, to create a different recipe, to plant different kinds of things in your garden. Do you notice that God didn't just make one tree and call it good, one flower and call it good, one spider and call it good? No, we have many spiders. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, we have, he made a variety of so many things, right? And so, all of us have this propensity to do that. It's not just, just those people who want to decorate themselves, but we arrange our lives in, in different ways around this. We design buildings, we design neighborhoods, we garden with design, we create food, we brew coffee and beer, and in Kentucky, other stuff we distill, whatever. I mean, it's creative stuff. I'm not saying it's all legal. I'm just saying there's creative things that people do because some recipes are from God, and you know it's true. Food is an art form. You know, it, food was not meant to be in little bullets and powders, and that's all you got. He gave us creativity, fresh and raw, maybe the way God designed it and combined in great recipes. Even when we think we aren't creative, we appreciate it. Even when you don't feel like you can generate it, you appreciate it. Restaurants and, and businesses curate their environments to engage us, to calm us, to excite us, to soothe us, chill us, whatever. You know, and even the best restaurants leave you feeling a vibe whether you realize what it is or not, right? So here's the thing. I heard somebody say one time, the only people, the only people on the planet who, who like change are babies who need a new diaper. And, and I defy that with every fiber of my being. That is so inaccurate. I think we crave change. I think we crave it. Unfortunately, I think we crave it in the wrong sort of way, right? Because to be real, routines can be comforting. And God did create routine. In the garden, he set up day and night, days, weeks, months, seasons, right? There is routine to that. He created bodies that needed to be recharged overnight. He created routine. And routines can be comforting, but they can also be stifling right? There's a difference between a routine and a rut. And you know which one you're in, right? If you have no routine, you can feel just spazzed out all the time. But if you, all you have is routine, sometimes it can become a rut of some sort, right? So we need to be careful about that. It's, it's not wrong for us to crave variety. The fact that we don't eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and supper is, is evidence of that. If you, if you really want to say, tell me that nobody wants change, I would tell you you would love living in prison. Now, same thing every day. 
same walls, same people, same everything. You'd love, you know, sit in prison for what? No, nobody wants that. We call that punishment. We don't want that, okay? So when our routines become dull and indifferent, the, word, the world teaches you that what you should do about that is cash it in. Whatever you're tired of in your life, just get a new one. Just get a new one. You don't like the job you got, get a new job. You don't like the house you got, get a new one. Don't like the dog you got, get a new dog. Don't like the children you got, nope, see, you can't do that, right? But we do it with spouses, you don't like the spouse you got, get a new one, right? The idea is trade out, trade up, whatever it is you wanna do. Folks, that's just quitting. That is just quitting. God is also a God of covenant and God never breaks his promises. So there are things in our lives that we have committed to, that we have covenanted to. There are promises that we need to keep up. So you can't just stop out. Every time you feel dull about a given responsibility, you need to refresh it, not replace it. Refresh that thing. Don't just replace that thing. So how can I bring a fresh approach to the way I'm, I'm looking at my marriage. How can I gain a new appreciation for this job that I have? What can I change up about that thing? How can I get out of a bad cycle I'm in and relating to my children and find a way to freshen that up? Talk to somebody, read a book, get therapy, I don't know, whatever that thing is that you need to do. How can I refresh the time I have with God? Right, I still wanna meet with him every day. How am I gonna refresh that? Find new ways to engage God. New environments, new times and places. But folks, every bit of the creative design and processes that we have originated with God, it is his image that we're expressing when we love that. So are we using our gifts for God? Are we using the things God gave us to honor him, not just to make us feel better about life and to feel more enthused about it, but to glorify him, to build up the church, you know? Do you know how hard it can be to discover people's creative abilities within a church? You would think it would be simple. You know how hard it is to figure out who's great at graphic design? Because nobody wears a shirt saying, I do graphic design, you know? So it's, sometimes it's hard to find people who play guitar. They just sit out there and don't tell anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, whatever it is, whatever God has given you, this isn't really a sermon about stepping up and doing your thing in the church, but if you take it that way, that's okay. All right? First Corinthians tells us that God distributes the gifts for the common good. So we need to use it that way. What creative juices do you need to allow to flow to approach the things that feel dull and indifferent to you? Relationships or your job, all of those things. Where is God releasing you, feel released, to add variety into your life without breaking your promises? Real quickly, the one way my mother did this, we didn't buy a lot of furniture, we didn't do that on the regular, but every so often, she had a wild hair and rearranged all the furniture in the, in the house. So if you got up in the middle of the night, turn the lights on, because you're gonna hit something. You know what I'm saying? Don't wander around. Whatever it is, it could be that simple. I'm not talking about having to, to trade out every single thing. Number three, God designed us for relationships. He designed us for relationship. We just got done with the marriage series at the coffee shop that finished up last week. And, and uh, you know, like he said, just know we're going to be dropping the entire series. We filmed the whole thing and recorded it. And, and uh, uh, Michael does such a great job of editing, and he's not going to release that until he's got it perfect. But um, it will have that ready in case people want to see that. It'll be av available in some way. But, but here's the deal. 
relationships. God put Adam on earth and immediately began to visit him daily. It says in the cool of the evening. I don't think it meant in the cool of one single evening of the month. I'm going to stretch that and say, I really believe that set up a daily process of of visiting and and conversing with Adam, right? Think about it. In the cool of the day, God showed up to chat. And that goes well until, you know, Adam can't be found anymore and he's hiding one day. Do you show up to chat with God? Do we show up every day looking to have a chat, a relaxed chat in the evening or the morning, whichever cool of the day means for you? Or like Adam, do you become hard to locate? You know, uh, you know, it, maybe you're hiding out in the bushes. Call it what you want. You know, your devotions, your quiet time, your Jesus time, your prayer closet. I don't care what you're calling it. It's your time when you're talking with God. And I do mean something more than tacking Jesus onto a task you're already doing, like a commute. A task you're already doing, like, you know, uh, household chores, whatever. Uh, sometime when you're actually giving undivided attention and being in an immersive experience. What is that? We were built originally for a relationship with God. And if you are not cultivating that and paying attention to developing, developing it, you are missing the primary purpose in your life. You're missing that. Uh, Pastor Kevin Clark was with the staff uh, last week, and he had some good words for us. But one of the things he said is, um, somebody had mentioned to him, he didn't even take credit for it, that however much time you spend with God on the daily, someone encouraged him to make 60% of it worship. Make 60% of it worship, either listening to worship music or if you're creatively inclined, singing or playing or whatever, whatever that means for you, worship. And, and the, and the, evident, the uh, rationale was this. If you sat down with your spouse at dinner and all your conversation was comprised of a bullet list of things that you needed to have the other person do, can you give me this, 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 and 14 other things before, you know, tomorrow and vice versa, what kind of relationship would that be? If you didn't spend any time engaging in, you know, expressing how you care for one another or whatever, your relationships will get dry if that's all it devolves down into, right? So it will enhance our relationship. The other reality is we were not meant to do life alone, right? Surely he created the concept of marriage early on in Genesis, which continues to baffle humanity, right? Weddings are a clear desire to choose life partner, but it takes much more attention than simply putting a ring on it. A few weeks ago, the pastor made three points regarding Christianity that I thought applied to marriage. He said, number one, Christianity is simple. Number two, Christianity should change your life. Number three, just do it. And I thought, we're teaching the marriage thing. Marriage is really relatively simple. Number two, marriage should change your life. If it doesn't, there's a problem. And thirdly, just do it. Just do it. Do the things that make a marriage good, right? That also applies in that way. But married or not, God also set us in families. He created us for relationship with him. He created us for relationship with others. Psalm 68, five through six. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. So God's word teaches us about how to behave toward the widow, toward the fatherless, how to care for aging parents, raising children, how to live in community with each other. Because you know what? Even for those of us that are married, one of us is probably going to check out before the other one. And so there is going to be time when we need to learn to engage the rest of the body of Christ and not just our spouse. So how do we live in community here? Well, 
part of living in community, as you've seen, is our small group table, right? We do that in semesters several times a year. Get into community with other people and do life. Learn about serving and learning about God together, supporting each other in hard times there. So when you're dull, Hebrews says, look around and imitate those who've done well, right? It says, instead, chapter, or verse 12, instead you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises. So if you're feeling spiritually dull and indifferent, who around you can you learn from? Who around you do you see a spiritual walk that you admire? Learn from them. Who has gone before us? Who are the spiritual fathers and mothers behind us that you can learn from? Read about those folks. Read their biographies. Learn about the fact that life wasn't always easy for them. And figure out that they actually persevered through really hard times. That's encouraging. You can too. Find fresh ways to approach the difficult things in your life. So what are the relationships in your life that need attention? And which ones really do need to be trimmed out? Where, where are things pulling you away from God? And then finally, I know we don't usually have a fourth point around here, but I'm giving you one anyway. If you're struggling with a dry and spiritual walk right now, I think it's appropriate to ask God to renew that joy. Because number four, God can restore our joy, whatever it is, right? Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. This is King David after he has sinned horribly and he has repented to God and he comes back and he's like, God, I just need the joy back. You know, I just need to feel that joy again. Can you bring that back to me? And sometimes when we've come out of a season of dryness or we've come out of a season of drifting, the book of Hebrews talks a lot about drifting from the faith. It's not an act of turning away. We're just kind of floating away from shore in some way. And maybe, maybe we're multitasking a little too much and God is saying, you know what, just, just focus. Bring it all back down and focus on me a little bit today. And just like those people in the, at the concert, you know, if you want an immersive experience, what, you, you can't do that in the cheap seats. You're gonna have to invest to get, get down front. Gonna have, there's something to be said about proximity to the focus of what you're doing. If you're trying to get close to God from a distance, it's not surprising you don't feel close to Him. You gotta get close. You gotta get near to Him. Near enough to tie His shoes. Near enough to tie His shoes. Well, this morning, let's come to our feet. If you're new here, these people are uh, our prayer team. And if these people fill up, we have more folks that will, will come up and, and be spots. But this morning, I just want to suggest to you that during this last song, if you are feeling a little dry or dull about anything, if it's, if it's your creativity needs a spark, if you need to develop a new appreciation for the assignment God has given you, for the job that you have, Maybe it is a marriage. Maybe it is the, the way you're relating to your children. Maybe it is your spiritual walk. There is nothing like having someone pray over you to put a spark in your spiritual walk. I am telling you that with, with absolute confidence. It's happened to me. When I have felt like I'm in a dry spot, I haven't left Jesus. I love him as much today as I did back then, but 
oh, I just I want to, I just want something a little more. I want a little more passion for it. I want to be, I want to feel more enthused. I want to feel more hunger to get into his word than I've been feeling lately. I want you to come up and let somebody up here pray for you. And you know what they're going to do? And I'm, I'm just going to give you, don't just start talking immediately. If, if somebody wants prayer, just listen a little bit and hear what God wants you to say over these people, to give them encouragement for wherever it is that they're going in life. So during this last song, if that's you, you're welcome to come up. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for, I thank you for seasons. I thank you for the variety of life that you've given us. And so God, I release that on people this morning for every person in here, Father, who is feeling kind of stuck feeling dry, feeling in a rut of some sort. God, I pray against the temptation to cash it in and trade out, trade up. I pray against that, that you would keep them, help them keep the promises that they've made, help them stay where they're supposed to be if that's what you're telling them. But God, if you are reassigning them in some areas, give them confidence about that as well. Give them the courage to do that if that's what you're doing. But God, I just pray refreshment over us today the refreshment that we're feeling in the rains that come during this season of spring and the joy that we feel by being outside. God, let that, let that mirror, let us feel those showers from you over our lives today. In Jesus' name.